All right, well, let's go to God's word as today we're in week number two in a series called Money Talks. If you're new with us, you'll find a sermon note sheet inside your bulletin that will help you better follow along. What I want to do this morning is I want to take you to yet another teaching of Jesus on money. Now, one of the things that I said to you last week was Jesus talked about money and possessions more than anybody else in the Bible. In fact, 16 out of the 38 parables that he told have to do with money and possessions. One-sixth of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are often referred to as the synoptic gospels, actually talk about the connection between God and our wealth. Listen to these statistics. In the Bible as a whole, the word love is found 714 times. The word believe is found 272 times. Pray, 371 times. But the word give is found 2,152 times. Now, I gave you a heads up last week because I know when we do a series like this, everybody gets a little tense because everybody wants to know, are you going to talk about giving? And I told you last week we were going to talk about it in this series. Well, today is the day. Okay? And so is next week. Okay? So you just need to know that up front. The time has arrived. Listen, you cannot handle your wealth in any way, shape, or form biblically without talking about the subject of giving. The Bible has a whole lot to teach us about the why and the what and the how of giving. And so we're going to talk about that in this series. Today, what I want to do is I want to talk, us, talk about or focus in on what Jesus says is the why behind giving. Okay, well, why, why, why should I get in the habit of, of giving a portion of what I have back to the Lord? We're going to talk about that today from, from the words of Jesus. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus begins his money talk this way, verse 19. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Now, you have to understand, in ancient Palestine, your treasure basically came in three forms. One was your garments, two was your grain or your your crops, and three was your gold. And so what Jesus says here is, regarding your garments, moths eat holes in them. Regarding your grain, well, vermin eat it, And regarding your gold, thieves break in and steal it. Remember, you didn't have banks at this time, so you had to hide everything in your house. Now, let me tell you what Jesus is not saying here. Jesus is not saying it's wrong to have things, okay? Nor is he saying it's wrong to save. That's not the point of this money talk at all. What he's talking about is stockpiling treasure for our use only, That's what he's talking about. He's talking about us using our wealth for us and us alone. Jesus says, hey, don't do that. Watch this, verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, very important question, and it's very important that you get this down. How do you store up treasure in heaven? There's only one way to do that. You can't do that any other way. You do it through giving. 
Okay, not just in the area of money, but when you give it your time, your talent, or your treasure, what you are doing is you are storing up treasure in heaven. So I want you to think about it this way when you think about financial giving. Giving is the deposit slip for laying up treasures in heaven. Anytime I give of my treasure to make a difference for God in this world for his kingdom purposes, I'm making a heavenly deposit in an account where Jesus says, moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves will not break in and steal. Now, inevitably, when when I began to preach on this subject of giving and we start digging into this, there's two questions that arise in people's minds all the time. And those questions are this, why should I give? And the second question that comes along with that is what should I give? Or otherwise, what, what amount should I give? How much should I put in the offering plate? Well, we're going to talk about the second question in detail next week. And I know what some of you are already thinking, Pastor, I already know the answer to that. We're going to talk about the tithe. We're going to talk about the 10%. And well, we're going to talk about that. And that is a part of the answer, but it's not the full answer. In fact, what I'm going to say next week, I think is going to surprise you to the answer to that. Next week, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to go through the Bible from cover to cover because there's a lot of bad teaching on this subject, and I'm going to teach you what the Bible has to say about the amount. Does that sound good? Okay, so we'll save that for next week. Today, we're going to let Jesus answer the first question, why give? I mean, why should I get in the habit of practicing the the, the discipline of laying up treasure in heaven? And that's an important question, because think about it. And we, we talked about this last week. I mean, remember what we said last week? God owns it all anyway. Yes. I'm just a steward of what he has entrusted me with for this life, because when I die, none of it goes with me. So, so th- why in the world then would God want me to give back to him a portion of what is already his to begin with? Well, Jesus gives us the answer here in Matthew chapter 6. Okay? The answer is bigger than you're just going to be rewarded one day when you get to heaven. That's very true. Amen? Amen. We talked about that last week. There's going to be eternal reward for how you use your life, your treasure, your talents for the kingdom of God in this life. But what Jesus is about to address is why is it important that you lay up for yourself treasures in heaven in this life? Why, there, there's some reasons why God wants you to do that that have to do with you living in this life, not the next. Jesus gives us four reasons. Number one, my giving matters to God because he wants my heart. Look at it with me, starting in verse 20 once again. It says, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Why? Because for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now notice, it doesn't say where your treasure is, there your heart might be. No, it says there your heart will be what? Also. That means they're inseparable. So think about this. Where my money goes, my heart goes. And where my heart goes, my money goes. Those two things are attached. Now, if that's true, then that means this, and you got to get this down. Money is a spiritual issue. 
I run into a lot of Christians and a lot of people that try to say, well, that's not really a, a spiritual issue. There's other, no, no, no. Your money is just as much a spiritual issue as everything else in your life. Yes. So if that's true, that means this. That means how I handle my money can lead my heart to God or away from God. My use of it can cause me to stay close to God or to drift away from him. You say, well, pastor, I don't know about that. I might have come to church. I don't really practice this whole giving thing. I'm not sure about that. Well, look what the apostle Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Paul says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, notice it doesn't say that money is the root of evil. It says the what? Love. The love of money is. Okay, understand money is amoral, right? It doesn't have morals. Money can be used for either good or evil, depending on how you use it. And Paul says, look at this, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Okay, please understand, the idea here isn't that these people purposely walked away from their faith or that they purposely pierced themselves with many griefs. Their love of money led them down those roads. How can that be? Well, because where your treasure is, your heart will be what? Also, your heart always follows your treasure. Your treasure always follows your heart. Those two things are attached at the hip. And this is, this is the number one reason why giving matters to God. Listen, he doesn't need your money. It's already his to begin with. What he's after is your heart. Now, let me root this principle in, in you a little stronger. I'm going to give you a visual. If you've been here for any length of time over the years, every time we teach on finances, I do this. So some of you know what's coming. I need five volunteers. Can I have five volunteers? Come on, you're only going to be on TV for a little bit. I need five. <laughs> so come on, give me five. Come on, come on, come on. Sandy, you were the, I need you on stage because you got to get in the camera. I need five. Since Sandy came first, we're going to let her be God today. <laughs> So you be food for us, you, you be hobbies, okay? And uh, Jenny, why don't you come here in the middle, go, go over here. You're going to be me, okay? <laughs> and you're going to be mortgage and rent. So here's what I, I want you to hold on to that. Grab, it, grab a hold of that for a second. So here's the deal, okay? Every time you spend money, you feel it, don't you? Why? Because where your treasure is, you're what? Heart is also. There, there's always an attachment, right? So think about this. Your mortgage or your rent. How many of you feel that every month? Okay, give a tug on that. You feel that? Me feels that. Okay? Now here's the deal. How many of you worry about my mortgage? You don't. Why? Because your heart ain't attached to my house. Guess what? I don't worry about yours either. But I feel it. Because where my treasure is, my, my what? I feel that. Well, think about this when it, when it comes to your hobbies. Okay? Give that a little bit of a tug. When it comes to your hobbies, there is nothing wrong with enjoying the things of life. The Bible says, the Bible says God gave us things to enjoy. Amen? Because there's nothing wrong with hobbies. There's nothing wrong with, with, with pleasures in life as long as they're under control. Right? 
as long as you got the Lord's thing settled. So here's the deal. You don't go to hobbies you, you dislike, do you? You do things that you're like, oh, that just moves my heart, right? I really enjoy that. Okay, let's talk about when you go to the restaurant. Give a tug there. You never order off the menu something that doesn't move you, right? Okay, it moves me here all over, right? I'm like, just, it, it moves me, right? You go and you order the thing that, that moves you on the inside. Why? Because your treasure, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Listen, when I go to a restaurant and I'm going for a good meal, first thing, I want a steak. It could be well done. It could be medium. It could be still moving. I want a steak. Okay? So when I go there, because I want a steak, I'm willing to pay a little extra to get the steak rather than the hamburger. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay? So, so you feel that. Now, here's the thing. When you practice giving, okay, when you practice giving a, a percentage of, of what you earn to God, when you practice that, you feel it, okay? Give a tug there. You feel that tension. The reason why some of you don't give consistently is because you feel that tension. You're supposed to. Why? Everybody pull. Because all these other things are pulling you in all kind of different ways. This helps you stay connected and grounded. This explains to you why the God talks about a percentage as well. We'll talk about it more next week. Because some of us, we only want to give a tip to, the, to God, and it's like a thread, and a thread breaks easily. God says one of the reasons why I want you to practice the discipline of giving is because all these other things have the potential, if this is not here, to pull you far away from God and to lead you into places that can pierce you with many sobs. Does that make sense? God's after your heart. Give these guys a hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. See, Sandy, it pays to volunteer first. You got to be God. Jason, you remember, she's God today only, all right? So anyway. This is why God wants me to practice giving. Okay. He wants my heart. He wants my heart to be under his lordship. He wants my heart to stay close to him. He wants to keep my heart from wandering to places it shouldn't wander to. How many know a sinful heart will wander? That's why this is so important. Okay. By the way, one of the greatest indicators of your spiritual health, you want to know where you look? Look where you're spending your money. I'm not saying it's the only thing, but I'm telling you, you you can quote the Bible backwards and forwards. You can pray 24-7, but I'm telling you, your finances are going to tell you more than any other area in your life a a level of your spiritual health because where your treasure is, what? Your heart is also, and where your heart is, yeah. Here's reason number two, our giving matters to God. Why does God want me to get in the habit of practicing laying up treasures in heaven? Number two, because he wants my mind. He wants my mind. Look at verse 22. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, when you read that, you might be tempted to think that Jesus, Jesus has changed subjects here, but he hasn't. He's still talking about money and the heart. You might also be tempted to think this is about the eye, but it's not. Jesus is using the eye to make an illustration. What this is really about is this. It's about how the heart is the key to our minds being able to see spiritually. And how our giving or lack of it plays into that. Let me explain it this way. Your eyes allow light into your body. Am I right about that? So your eyes are the window to your physical body. Light comes in and allows you to see. And with that light, what what happens is you're able to understand the world around you properly to then make decisions how to navigate in that world that you now can see properly. Okay? When you, you, here's what I know. You make decisions better when you navigate with light than when you navigate in the dark. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, you get up in the middle of the night and, it's a, and you're trying to fumble around. There's a lot more things to step on. There's a lot more things that will pierce you, right? Because you can't see as you're making decisions to go to that bathroom when there's no, no lights on. It's a lot harder to do it that way. Listen, you make better decisions in life when you can see spiritually properly rather than when you're spiritually blind. How many know you could be spiritually blind? That's a real issue. When you understand kingdom principles and kingdom values and compare that to the world in front of you, you make way better decisions. You say, well, what is Jesus saying? Here's what he's saying. Your heart is the window into your mind, to your understanding, to your spiritual understanding. So if your heart is clouded by the cataract of money, it will affect your ability to see some things spiritually. And if you don't understand spiritual things clearly, that's not a good recipe for making good godly decisions. But when you understand spiritual things, when you don't have spiritual blindness, when you could see spiritually clear that now puts you in a position to make good, godly decisions. You see, a darkened mind and a darkened heart, you understand those two things go hand in hand. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 20 to 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks, for they became futile in their what? Thinking, Thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, I'm not saying that if you don't have this money thing down that you can't understand spiritual things, but what I am saying is there are some spiritual things that you will not be able to understand. And so you may have a spiritual window, but it's dirty. It's not as clear as it needs to be. And because of that, you're not being able to see certain things of the kingdom because of that. It's interesting that Jesus continually... If you look at the Gospels, he continually harped on the religious leaders of Israel because of their love of money. Do you remember what Jesus called them? He called them blind what? Blind guides. 
He says, your blind guide's leading the blind, guys. Look what we're told at, the, told at the end of the parable that we studied last week. After Jesus was done teaching it, remember Jesus taught the parable, he gave the principles, and then it says this in Luke 16, verse 14 and 15, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. Okay, can I tell you one of the, one of the biggest indicators that you have an issue in this area is when the pastor preaches on it, you're sneering on the inside. And he said to them, what did Jesus say to them? You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. Let me tell you a little secret. Today is our business meeting Sunday. And one of the practices that we go through here every year is that you know, we, we use a democratic system when, when we nominate people for leadership here, for the board and for the elders and treasurer. But when those people get nominated, we don't just nominate anybody. We don't just say whoever wants to run can run. That's not how it works, okay? We go through a process of identifying people, and we have a whole list of things, and money is a part of that, but there are other things that are a part of that, but money is a big part of that. So what happens for me, the first place I start, before I go into all the other things, this is going to sound crazy, because it's, it's not about the money, it's about the heart, right? And so the first place I start is I, I, I say, hey, I've met with the board and elders. We're thinking about um, nominating these people. I'll go to our church secretary, Miss Karen, and I'll say, can you look up the giving record and tell me if you think there's a tithe there? And, and when we figure that out, then what happens is I meet with them individually and we go through the whole list of things and we talk about that area. Why? I don't want spiritually blind people making decisions for this church. That's a big deal. I want them to be able to see spiritually as clear as possible. Now, I'm not saying other things in your life can't blind you. How many know that's true? But I'm telling you, if you remove this one, if you get this one in order, it's like taking Windex and getting rid of, getting rid of the things that are blocking the light. I'm telling you, how you handle your money plays a part. Not all of it, but plays a part in your ability to understand things spiritually of the kingdom. Now, here's how you keep money cataracts from forming, and here's how you remove them. You make God lord over your finances. I handle my money not the way I want to handle it, but the way that he wants me to handle it. I make serving God in his kingdom my number one priority. This is what Jesus is saying in verse 22 here with this illustration. Look with me. Look at verse 22 again. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are, what's the word? Healthy. healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Now, that word healthy in the Greek is hapalos, and it literally means single, undivided focus. So understand the progression of what Jesus is saying here in this talk on money. The practice of giving or laying up treasures in heaven will affect my heart, and my heart affects my spiritual understanding, my mind, and my mind affects what then I do, where my feet go. My mind then affects who I give my strength to. Am I right? 
who and what I end up serving. That's the third reason that Jesus gives for why what I do with my money matters to God, because God wants my strength. He wants my strength. Look at this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve what? Two masters. Now, we saw Jesus say the same, same very thing at the conclusion of the parable of the shrewd manager. He's saying it again here, different sermon, saying the same point. And what he's saying is, it's impossible to serve two masters. Why? Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. By the way, do you know why you can't serve two masters? Because each master has a different vision for your life. That's why. But Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, but pastor, I got two jobs and I serve both of them at the same time really well. So how can this statement be true? Let me tell you how it can be true. Because this statement is not in the context of an employee-employer relationship in a free society. In biblical times, slavery was a cultural norm. Okay, people owned people. The master was in total control of the servant. There was no such thing as a part-time slave or a part-time servant. The question that Jesus is asking here is this. What owns you and who's your master? Because the one who owns you will determine where you're giving your strength to. Is it God or is it money? Which is your master? So think about it this way. The love of money is exclusive and therefore it eliminates a wholehearted love for the Lord. On the other hand, to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength is to set aside the love of money. Which master am I serving? Is it God or money? Is it God or stuff? John Calvin said this, great quote, where riches hold the dominion of the heart, God has lost his authority. How you handle your money is inseparably related to where your heart is, what your spiritual vision will be, and to whom you're going to give your strength to. Do you see the progression in the passage? That's what Jesus is saying. Now, here's the big question we now have. And Jesus knows this. Because any preacher knows when you talk about money, people are going to go, well, if I had more money, I'd give more money. No, you wouldn't. Because you don't have a money issue, you have a heart issue. Because this is not whether you have, listen, because you could practice this whether you have much or little. We're going to learn that next week. It's not based on how much you have. It's based on how much you, what you do with what you have been given. Jesus knows this is going to be the issue. Oh, man, Jesus, I hear what you're saying, and I get the idea of it. Man, I don't know about that. Am I going to have enough? And Jesus knows this is the way people would think. And so Jesus gives us the last reason why my giving matters to God, and it's this. Because he wants my trust. Amen. Yes. 
Now, now look here, verse 25. Therefore. Do you know why therefore is in the Bible? Because of everything that came before it, right? Okay, this is attached to the money talk. Watch this, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is, li- is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Yes. This is what people are thinking as he's teaching the sermon. Well, Because we spend a lot of time worrying about those things, am I right? I got to get my kids school clothes, my kids are outgrowing their shoes. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Now, often this worry passage gets preached apart from money and becomes a sermon about worry only. And there's nothing wrong with that approach. You can, this is certainly a great passage on worry in general. But understand, Jesus is talking about worry here in the context of storing up treasures in heaven. Here's the question that he's addressing. Can I trust God to provide for me if I practice the habit of laying up treasures in heaven? And Jesus says, that's a no-brainer. You know why? Because Jesus says God is a good master when you make him your master. God is a good father. You can trust him when you allow him to be the master in your life in this area. And he goes on to say what kind of father God is. Look at this, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I try all the time. (laughs) But what's the answer to that? No. Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Remember Solomon from the Old Testament, one of the richest guys to ever live. He had all the beautiful stuff. And you say, look, you take one of the most beautiful garments he ever had. It's nothing compared to the flowers of the field that God has designed. They're just glorious. Look at those. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Otherwise, if if that's how God does the stuff that's just temporary, will he not, not much more clothe you, the stuff that's eternal? You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. You know what Jesus is saying? (laughs) I love this. God dropped this into my spirit. Jesus is saying, you're not going to practice the habit of giving, and God's going to go, oh, no, I'm sorry, I forgot about you. (laughs) He already knows what your needs are. And then here comes the famous verse, right? Once again, this isn't a standalone verse. We often pull it out as a standalone verse. This is in the context of money and possessions and laying up treasures in heaven. And why does God want you to practice this this practice? Watch this. But seek first. There's the singular, right? The healthy, the singular, the good from the illustration of the eye. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, 
Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So think about this for a second. Why is the Bible always talking about giving and and practicing this? Because here's the deal. God knows if he can get your treasure, it opens the door for him to be Lord in all kind of other areas in your life. You know what often keeps him from being Lord over your entire life? Your treasure. Parents, listen to me for just a second. How many of you want your kids to grow up to love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength? Yeah, that's the desire of a parent. Teach them to give from the early age. Teach them to start tithing from an early age. We did this with our kids. And, and here's what we did. We bought them one of these banks. And this was very purposeful because I understand this connection. Where your treasure is, your what? Heart is. And when our kids would get any kind of money, uh, birthday, they would earn it. And, and sometimes we would just give it to them because we wanted them to practice how to do this. And we, we, we would have a bank and it had three compartments in it. One of it was spend. One of it was save, and one of it was give. And the give one was a church. It was really cute. And we would give them their allowance in ways to make it easier to divide it up. And we would start teaching them, this is what you take to the house of God. This is what you give back to the Lord. And listen, my, I, I'm telling you, to this day, I, I, I probably shouldn't say this publicly. I'm going to say it. My, my kids practice this regularly. You know why? Because we started teaching them when they were this, this. And why did we want that? Because we know where your heart is, your treasure is. And if I can get that tension built in their life and that practice built in their life, it's harder for them to fall away from the Lord. Parents, this is why when they come to church on Sunday, you need to reach in your wallet and give them some pennies. Now, the church doesn't need more of your pennies. They're a pain in the butt to, to count. Send them to church with a little bit of money to put in their kids' offering. Why? Because they're teetered, you're teaching them to honor God with their treasure. And if you do that, it is one of the greatest tools to molding their heart because it opens up their heart for all the other areas that the Lord wants to be Lord in their life in. And isn't that what we want as parents? Amen? This is why this is a big deal. So understand the progression. Treasure right? Why? Why treasure a heavenly treasure? Because it's all about the heart. And when you deal with the heart, you can get the mind. And when you get the mind, you can get the strength and you hand up to somebody who makes God their master. Doesn't this sound a lot like the greatest commandment ever in the Bible? Remember Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment in all of scripture? What did Jesus say? Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. That's the why behind laying up treasures in heaven. It's not because God needs your money. It's already his because God wants your heart and he uses it to leverage areas in your life. Aren't you thankful for the Lord? Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Listen, some of you are still battling an attitude of money. Listen, listen, God is for you. Listen to me very carefully. God is for you. 
God's not trying to make your life miserable. This is not about trying to raise more money for the church, I promise you. This is about you and the Lord. Some of you, once again, you just need an attitude change. You're sitting here and you say, you know what? I need to allow the Lord to deal with this area in my life. And so if you've never made him Lord over your finances, if you've never been singularly focused to say, God, you are in charge of my life. You are in charge of my finances. Would you do that right now? Say, Lord, I'm going to put you in charge right now today. This is where it begins. Lord, I'm going to put you in charge. Lord, I'm going to dig into your word. Lord, I'm, I'm going to learn to steward my money in a way that is honoring to you and to your kingdom that I may be fruitful for you and that my heart may be open to all that you want to do in my life. Father, I, I pray, Lord, that you would help us in this area. Guide us, direct us in the name of Jesus, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory. <coughs> we said, amen. Amen. All right, next week, we're going to talk about the amount. And I'm telling you, I think some of you think you already know what I'm going to talk about, but the, the overall answer is going to be what you don't expect. So we'll talk about that next week. I'm going to ask my prayer partners, guys, would you come? If you're here today and you have a need in your life, whatever it may be, physical, financial, maybe it's somebody that's sick, maybe it's you that you're going through something, come up, we pray for you, ask the Lord to work in that area of your life. The rest of you, God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Don't forget about the business meeting. We'll see you, we'll see you later.